Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcam, and welcome back to the next episode of the Keto Naturopath podcast. Today we're going to talk about big picture, and the big picture is what it takes to create long-term effective and sustainable weight loss, but also weight maintenance. How do you believe that you can get back to that lean person you might have been in your late teens, or early 20s? Do you believe, or under there, do you believe that is accessible to you? Do you believe you can go there? Or, or do you believe this, that, well, I'm older now, so I should be 10 or 20 or 50 pounds overweight and not as strong as I was then, and then being 15 to the early the 20s, and um, of course, you just age that way, right? And that's what you're thinking. This is the self-talk that you've been bought into and that you've actually been sold. Uh, it's not really about your own self-talk. You borrowed it from the media. You borrowed it from the marketing media and you borrowed it from the misbegotten, misrepresented, and tons of misinformation that came out of the medical establishment of the 50s to really up to about a decade ago. So it really doesn't matter where it came from, it's what's in your head right now, and I'm here to tell you that that is not exactly what is the case. And in fact, I believe, uh, primarily by being an example in my own life, which I also thought those things, I wasn't 50 pounds, of, well, actually at one point I really was 50 pounds overweight. Um, I, I thought, gosh, I'm not going to get back to my triathlon days. I'm not going to, you know, those are, those were days I put a lot of time into being physically active and so on and so forth. Well, actually I know more now than I know then. And I clearly would have been a better athlete then given what I know now. And if I want to go back to triathletes and triathlons, um, I'm sure I could. I'm not quite sure I want to spend that much time and just working out. But the nice thing about when you're so focused on physical activity or health in general, it keeps you away from negative influences in terms of how you think, what you do, and other people. You're always working on something positive because that work is merely an expression of you think things are going to get better. You think you will, you think you will be cha- you will be changed by the activity you're doing, by the food that you're eating. And that's a good attitude to have. So if you have that attitude, um, that's the one that I'm after. So let's hold on to that attitude for today. So I really want to get to the core of it. If I was to put all my um, post-personal sickness time and lessons into a Vitamix and blend them all up 
and then shake it all out and saying, really, what is all that? What is what is the simple and put it through a filter, of course, and get just the real skinny on this whole thing. I would say, as I posted in actually our Facebook group today, I think all of weight loss, regardless of where you are, whether you're a candidate on the big, biggest loser or you are somebody who is just off 50 pounds and they're in their mid 50s or mid 70s or mid 30s and say, I just want to get this 50 pounds off me. Well, there's three places to start. If you're looking through a, for a quick fix, uh, I'm not the guy. I'm not going to give you this product that I have up my sleeve. I'm going to tell you what I've learned from 20 plus years of doing medicine and taking plenty of labs and plenty of people. And uh, But make it simple. We're not going to get into that sort of technical detail. So the three steps are basically this. The first thing you have to do before you think about keto or whatever your particular proclivities are for diet is you got to drop all the processed foods. It's got to be out of your existence. And don't give it, give me that, oh, I, you know, I really love this. I really love that. I can't live without that. Well, then health isn't that important to you. If you're unwilling to do, to make certain choices, then you are willing to take the consequences of not making those choices. I guess that's tough love, sort of. And so the choices for change is first to drop processed food. So what are the most common processed foods that people have? Well, certainly like potato chips, and now they're getting into the keto processed food. So don't think just because things are keto, they're not processed. Are you kidding? There's a, there's a tsunami of processed foods now coming to us. And it comes through keto this, keto that, and most of them are just garbage. And the reason I'm asking you to get off, to stop, please do not do any more processed foods because I want you to get off the industrial oils. I want you to step away from all the hyper-refined, they call it hyper-palatable foods, but it's chemically engineered food, quote unquote, caloric stuff, substances, let's say like Doritos, those things, they have no nutrition at all, except some that might've been sprayed on, but it's not inherent in the thing itself. So push all that away. If you can't, then you can't, then I'm not for you and you're not for me. I don't have enough time left in my life to go, well, maybe there's a nicer road that you could take. Maybe there's, I, my, those patients, as in me being considerate enough to listen to other people's perspective, I don't have those, that patience anymore. I know the road out of here, and I'm telling you what the road out of here is. And the road out of here is step away from processed foods. And if you have a difficulty, then acknowledge the difficulty and articulate the difficulty so you can focus on the nub of that difficulty for you and you can gradually move forward from it. Write it down. What is it? What are the hardest things? You can seek help for that. You can focus on it. You can do a lot of behavioral things to get around those particular draws. We're all having addictive personality underneath of it, so, uh, underneath of all of what we want to do. And here's the issue. Some people I will buy meaning I will believe, I will accept, that are much more sensitive to carbohydrates in general, but certainly to whatever sensitivity you have at carbohydrates, I'm primarily meaning grains and starches, not so much leafy greens, um, have a sensitivity. When I mean sensitivity is you have one, you got to have 150,000. You know, there's there's not a two or a three or something moderate in between that it, it just doesn't work that way for you. So what, that's the addiction. You can have a little one, you go right back. 
Well, and it's just like if you're talking to about an alcoholic, they're really a dry drunk. They don't drink, but they're just a drink away from being drunk. And they know it. And so that's why they superimpose and they go to all the AA meetings, et cetera, et cetera. But you have other, whether it's other drugs or whether it's, you name it, you know it's all in there. You're just an action away from being back at that kind of addict. You can, when you create distance from the thing that you're addicted to, it does become easier. So I say to myself, um, I like coffee. I don't know if it's addiction. Uh, I can step away from that. But I do like my three or four cups a day. And I do like my wine pretty much every night if I could have it. And so there's things that I can reflect on too. It doesn't go on and on and on. So that's maybe not a great example, but there's certain examples. I think we all know what that that issue is. So let's say, and uh, with my wife, Judy, she will be the first to admit, you know, she picked up some keto cookies. In part, she used the excuse that she can put it in our Facebook group and talk about the labels and how it's really not keto. But she had one and she realized, uh, I think she just had one or two out of a bag of maybe five or six, that the rest of the day, she was incredibly hungry. And the rest of the day, she just wanted to eat, eat, eat. And it was really hard for her not to just eat. And so in part, it could be a presensitivity. In part, it could be it was really a refined product. And it was engineered to drive that appetite, to put that hook in deep in you so you come back and you buy more. These are not stupid products out there, by the way. They're highly engineered, for the most part, across the board, processed foods. Okay, so get rid of the processed foods. Then that comes with the question, what about dairy? I hear you talk a lot about dairy. Is dairy really a processed food? Um, I think in the United States today, dairy being cow milk products are, cheese is a little bit different, but dairy collectively is a processed food. Why is that? Well, they're not just cows. They're cows that have been given a lot of medications, probably because they needed it, of close quarters, et cetera, et cetera. They've been given a lot of antibiotics, not just for weight gain, but probably because they needed it to keep down from mastitis and all these other diseases they have in collective. So they've had a lot of that, um, not just not just because they have growth hormones or they have uh, high estrogens amount more than they had before, but all these things together will make it a problem. And that's not even talking about the casein, you know, the type of the A1 or the A2. All these things conspire together, come together to have this effect. And so when people work with me, it is without a doubt, there isn't any exceptions. I tell them up front, it's going to be two months of no dairy, nothing that you can trace back that came from a teat of a cow. Nothing that you can trace back that came from milk. It's just not going to happen in two months. You know, and I, I I tell them there's an addiction there. We know that casein and gluten are the one and two most addictive food substances. And when they get even more refined or more concentrated, so the gluten that comes out of plants today is not like it was a thousand years ago. They've been hyper-concentrated. I talked about that on another podcast. They're now the genomes are very different as well. So... Do we think that the cows have hyper-concentrated casein? I don't know enough about that, actually, but it would make sense that all this stuff together makes you want to come back for more. Cheese is probably the height of everybody loves cheese. If you don't love cheese, good for you. You can step away from that one. 
But I'm sorry, for two months, just step away from dairy completely. No ifs, ands, or buts. No 99%. You're pretty good, except for this one day. It has to be 100%. All right, so processed foods and dairy. When we say processed foods out, we're also throwing out gluten because we're talking about really no grains and starches. If you want to have a potato in this first phase and things like that, and they are non-processed, do it. But the second stage really is keto. Keto in this classic sense of the word of 20 grams ultra low or very low carbohydrate, that is 20 grams of carbs per day. And I would shoot for making sure the protein, which has never been emphasized um, much in keto, and they would talk about 0.8 grams of of, uh, protein per kilogram of body weight. That's very low, very low. That's uh, the RDA. I would say this, and this uh, that I'm about to give you has been around for at least 50 years, and that's one gram of protein per pound of ideal body weight. So that's going to be your protein. And your ideal body weight, by the way, I don't care if you weigh five times your ideal body weight. I'm using the ideal body weight as a fact to use to calculate how much protein your body, and it's going to be based on your height. A little bit on your age, but basically it's your height. And yeah, it's not rocket science. You may be a a mesomorph versus a, a, you know, any of these things, big bone, not small bone, not small bone, big bone, et cetera. Just go with it. Just go with it. One gram per pound of ideal body weight, regardless of what you weigh. And you can look that up or join our group or go on the Facebook group. It's all over the place. All right, you got that. And ideally, eat it four times a day. But so we have 20 grams of protein, sorry, 20 grams of carbs or less. And ideally, dark green leafy vegetables would be those. Then you'd have your protein. And the rest could be fat, whether you want to have. And I really think that at this point, if you have this much protein, you're you're going to be pretty satiated. But you really should try to add fat to your diet, because I think at this point, we are now going to be attempt a metabolic shift into be primarily a fat burner, that is producing ketones. And as much as you can measure in a week, ketones in your urine, I'm not talking about that, nor am I talking about what you're going to get on the Keto Mojo. Great instrument. I have one too. I think they're really cool. Or your glucometer. Oh, well, actually, that's glucose, obviously. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having more fat because I do believe it really takes three or six months for your body to comfortably learn to transition over to be an effective fat burner, to effectively produce ketones, but also to productively use ketones. So initially you'll fall in love with, oh, look at how high my ketones are. But that level is going to drop for two reasons. One is you become very efficient at making ketones, so you're going to make just what you need, and you can be very efficient at using them. And secondarily, you'll always be using glucose. Glucose will always be in the mix. Parts of your body have to have glucose. Okay, so now that you get that out of the way, now we're talking three to six months down the road from when you started, what's left? What's left is basically a protein-sparing modified fast for three or four days or more per week. That is, now that you're metabolically transitioned to being a fat burner, 
And you'll notice various things have changed about your body, how you sleep, aches and pains, and so on and so forth. And you feel, wow, this is really cool. We're talking about something sustainable, not something you're going to come into and feel euphoric and then sort of like drift away because you fell back in, back in love with Kellogg's cornflakes or something. That uh, we're talking about something sustainable that you will like and that is satiating. So protein is going to be the core of what satiates you, makes you feel comfortable and happy. Yeah, you have to learn a little culinary expertise. But as I've talked about before, you're going to need some whole food sources of protein and a couple days of whole food sources of protein fat, meaning liver and egg yolks. If you want to do liver and egg yolks, go nuts. That's all the other stuff you need. Um, but, you know, and then your fatty fish and so on and so forth. It's a pretty simple recipe and you will enjoy it. You will love it. You will feel good. You feel full. You'll sleep better. People will like you. You'll have more friends, etc. But these are the three stages. Processed foods, out. Start a ketogenic diet, do it for three to six months. To that, you're going to refine the ketogenic diet to a protein-sparing modified fast, which is you're still in keto, but you're cutting back on the fats for three or four days a week. So now you still are a fat burner, and now we're making sure, and ideally you've made sure that you had that same amount of protein in keto as you did in your protein sparing modified fast. And that's pretty much where you're going to end up. And so your limiting factor is, now that you are a fat burner, your limiting factor, in other words, how fat, excuse that word, how lean you want to be or how much body fat you want to have is going to be determined by the fat percent of the, of the food you eat. And we're going to assume you're going to be mostly, if you're not a carnivore, it's going to be very hard to do frankly. But it's possible. You know, but you're going to have to figure out a lot more work, a lot more intellectual stuff to bring this together. People will tell you it's easy. I have not seen one person who's a vegetarian keto that says it's easy. And um, we were big vegetarians before. So it's that percentage of fat. So in other words, if you're a ribeye eater and you're putting all sorts of mayo and th things on top of your meat and you're making your nice little sauces, however healthy they are, right? With non-industrial oils, seed oils, you still can be quite heavy. So it's going to be the satiation of the protein with the appropriate amount of good fats, which are primarily fish oil, but it's also you do have some omega-6s. You need a, a ratio of omega-3 to 6 uh, in the neighborhood of 3. Most people don't have 3. Most people are in the neighborhood of 20 to 10. Oh, sorry, uh, 20 to 10 of omega-6s to 3s. So it's too much. So you have to work down in that direction. Um, and you do get omega DH, EPA and DHA with uh, all sorts of animal protein. You obviously get it much more in fatty fish. That's clear. Everybody thinks salmon and Atlantic fish and so on. And that's true. But if you can't get that, don't worry about it. You know, it also comes with healthy animal meats as well. You're getting some omega-3s in that as well. So you're also getting omega-6s. So omega-6s are just not industrial seed oils. Omega-6s, like arachidonic acid, is natural for all meats and animals to have. It's least in things like salmon and fatty fish of the north. So there you have it. One, two, three. So this is this is the this is the secret. This is the goal. This is how you do it. How do we help people? Well, we when we do help people, we obviously do blood work. We want to find out what else is going on. So people will have things like 
a tremendous iron deficiency. And you have to figure out how you can restore that. Now, you got to get him back to good health and counsel him on these steps, good food, but you're not going to penalize them and say, you just eat this way and you'll be healthier. If they are severely deficient in something or other, you need to address that. And you need to address that probably pretty quickly. They'll feel better. And then you begin on these particular steps. So therein is the secret. Labs, I find, help fill in the potholes ahead of us. And these potholes are usually uh, various deficiencies. Sometimes there might be environmental exposures that you can deduce without complicated labs. They are kind of complicated labs. Deduce, whether it's heavy metals or pesticides or phthalates and so on and so forth, you can deduce them by simply asking for the person's history. Can you tell me a little bit about your past? Did they live in an agricultural field? Did they live next to an oil refinery? Did they, you know, what was their diet like before? Um, and so this is the composite of pretty much everything I ever did into these steps. So if this is what your goal is, there's no place for processed food. Get over it. You have a choice. Your first bifurcation in that yellow brick road that you're going to take to get to a better place, a leaner, more fun, vigorous person that you want to be, I'm assuming, that that first fork in the road is processed foods or not. And you're really saying, how much do I value health and being lean and strong and just that vigorous individual that you felt you were in your teens and early 20s or not? How much beer am I willing not to have? A beer is the worst of the alcohol perpetrators, and then after that, it's all the liqueurs and so on. But you can have some alcohol. It's never going to be out of the door. But that's the first fork in the road is really about processed foods. If you're unwilling to take that first fork in the road, then the second fork in the road in terms of taking on a ketogenic diet is never going to happen. Don't fool yourself. If you think you're going to go skip the first step and do keto with all the processed foods, yeah, it's just not a reality that I can recognize. It's a reality the market is going to be marketed to you, no doubt, all over the place. More coming, as I say. And then the third step is saying, now that you see some changes happening and you're probably feeling better, and who knows, maybe you've gotten blood work along the way and know what you're doing, um, and you're thinking better and sleeping better and all these things are great, you're always going to have to be worried about these are the things you like to your addictions that were behind you. They're always going to be there. You don't always have to think about it, but try to keep a distance between you and them. And one of those ways between you and them is having the appropriate amount of protein and good whole food sources of protein, which will include the fat, and then maybe add some fat on top of that. That's it. That's the package. All right. Till next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp again for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough and many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode, uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U 
R-O-P-A-T-H.com. Dr. Goldcamp at ketonatropath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonatropath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.